as you're turning there, I have, I'm going to share with you. Um, several years ago, when Jaden was just over a year old, um, Jason and I received the good news that I was expecting. Um, I'm not one that's able to keep good news quiet. <laughs> I, I'm terrible at keeping secrets, and <laughs> um, it's gotten better, by the way. But um, not really. But Jason and I were so excited to share the good news. We shared it with um, we shared it with our pastor, and we shared it with our parents, and of course they spread the word for us. But we were just too excited to keep it quiet. And, and the fact is, is, everything was pointing to a healthy pregnancy. But then I got really sick. And I ended up getting a fever that was so high that I actually began to hallucinate. Um, Jason can tell you, we have this really crummy Christmas tree that was up in the house. It's from the dollar store, which I thought would give you an idea. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world because I was hallucinating. Um, but I was down for three days, and, um, and at the end of it all, I ended up losing a baby. Jason had told our pastor about the loss, and, and he spread the word for us. So when we went to church the following Sunday, we were greeted by everyone in the church. And all of them had well-meaning advice, well-meaning words of encouragement. But you can always try again. It just wasn't meant to be. You were still fairly early, and miscarriages happen often, often in the first trimester. It's okay, just trust God. The thing is, is I already knew all that. I knew I could try it, and I knew miscarriages in the first trimester were not uncommon. And I knew eventually I would heal, but I wasn't okay in that moment. I wasn't fine. And to make matters worse, about a month after my miscarriage, Jason and I found out that um, Jason's brother and sister-in-law were also expecting, and we would have had the same due date. I remember holding, or Jason holding me as I cried on our couch, wondering why God would take my baby, and, and why we couldn't be celebrating two words that summer instead of just one. I felt like God had abandoned me. But the thing is, I'm not the only one in the room who's felt like that. I'm not the only one whose heart has screamed, God, where are you? When grief is closing in, we want God to fix the pain. We want him to turn back time and we want to feel better. And we don't. So we feel like God is nowhere around. So today as we dig into God's word, we're going to be asking the question, where is God when I am broken? John chapter 11, starting in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he died. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforted, comforting her noticed how quickly she had got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied, and Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Now, to give you a little backstory, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were not strangers to Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, the sisters are mentioned when Jesus goes to their home to eat. Martha is, you know, serving Jesus, slaving away in the kitchen, and Mary is sitting at his feet with the disciples, just listening to him teach. And even earlier in the context of this passage, it indicates that there's a close friendship between Lazarus and Jesus. His sisters sent a messenger to Jesus saying, Lord, the man you love is sick. So they were close. They had a beautiful friendship here. And they had reached out to their friend, the one they knew would be able to heal their brother. After all, he healed the blind man. And they were asking for his help. Lord, you told us you love us. Come and heal our brother. They brought their prayer for their brother before the Lord, trusting that he could heal them. But things didn't go according to their plan, and Lazarus died. But not only did Lazarus die, by the time Jesus got there, he had already been in the tomb for four days. I don't know if you realize this, but after four days, the body's already starting to decay. Um, I, used, I used to work in a nursing home, and by the way, when you walk into a room where somebody's about to die, you can smell it. You know. <laughs> you can smell it. So imagine four days after the fact, that stench is there. There's decay. The body is literally falling off the bone. And basically, they're without hope. The soul's gone. The body's wasted away. Nobody has any hope that Jesus will be able to raise Lazarus from the dead. So when Martha ran to Jesus crying out, 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There is blame there. She is literally saying, God, or Jesus, if you had come when we had called you, even if you were a couple of days earlier, you know, maybe, maybe this would have been okay, but now it's too late. If you had only been here, if you had only come when we called you, instead, if you had not gotten delayed, It's your fault. And the thing is, is her next sentence where she is saying that I know that God will give you whatever you ask. She's saying, I know that you have the power. I know you're perfectly capable of healing my brother. But now it's too late. She's broken. So Jesus asks for Mary to come out. And Martha says, you know, he's here. He's asking for you. Mary comes out, says the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same blame. Same brokenness. So Jesus asks for Lazarus' Buried, and he's watching Mary and Martha crying. He's watching the other the other Jews from Jerusalem cry. And you know what? He cries too. So where was Jesus when Mary and Martha were broken? He was right there, mourning and weeping alongside them. And the thing is, is Jesus knew the final outcome for Lazarus. He even tells Martha what he's planning to do. It goes straight over her head, but he tells her. But even knowing the final outcome, he's still joined in the sisters with their grief. And if Jesus wept when Mary and Martha were broken, he weeps with us when we're broken as well. It's easy for us to forget this side of God. We see him as an omniscient being, somebody who knows all and sees all. And so he knows the final outcome, and that's true. But just because he knows the final outcome does not mean that he's not here with us in the present. When we are broken, he leaves with us. But what about for those who aren't grieving? What does that have to do with us? Sure, it's nice to know that God that God mourns with me when I mourn, but I'm not mourning right now. I'm not feeling broken. What should I do with this? Well, to borrow the popular question that we '90s kids used to wear around our wrists in the form of an acronym, let's change the question and ask, "What would Jesus do?" Far too often, we don't respond as Jesus did to those who are grieving. Although we have the best of intentions, instead of mourning with those who mourn, we try to silence the mourning with well-meaning empty phrases. We tell the horses, you're better off without them. We tell the mother of a young man who died from cancer, they're not in pain anymore. We tell the woman who had a stillbirth, well, the baby must have had something terribly wrong with it and it just wasn't meant to be. 
We tell the father of the drowning victim that their baby girl is in a better place. And you know what? All of those might be true. But you will notice that Jesus never said any of those things. He didn't spout phrases like, you need to trust God. He's got a plan for all of this. Or, your brother's in a better place. No. And he didn't tell them that they had to trust God and put their grief aside. Instead, he asked Martha, if even in the midst of her grief, she, was, she still believed that Jesus was who he said he was. He didn't make her feel like grieving was a, was a result of a lack of faith. He didn't guilt trip the women for blaming their, him for their current agony, no. And he didn't leave them alone to give them space to grieve. Instead, he joined with them and he went with them. In Romans 12, 15, Paul writes, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Why? Because in that way, we reflect Christ to the broken. We become Christ's representatives to the broken, hurting, and grieving. When they are filled with sorrow and wondering, where is God when I'm broken? We become the answer instead of, because instead of trying to quiet their grief, we join them in, their, in the midst of it. You see, if you continue reading the chapter, the story does end happily. It ends happily. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and the morning turns to gladness, and everything ends up all peachy keen and everything like that. And Jesus knew before he even got there that that was the plan. Previously, before this passage, he tells his disciples that Lazarus had gone to sleep, which is a nice way of saying he died, but that he was going to wake him up. Jesus knew he was going to do all this, and that God's glory would be revealed through this miraculous resurrection. But before all that, he still mourned. He still wept with the broken sisters. Jesus knew everything was going to be okay. But for Mary and Martha, in that moment, things were not okay. Sure, they might have known that eventually the grieving would lessen. They might have known that eventually they'd be able to move past the constant emptiness. They might feel okay eventually. But they weren't finding that. So instead of Jesus telling them, oh, it's all gonna be okay, I got this, he cried with them. He broke with them. But how often do we tell the broken in our 
lives. It's all going to be okay. Just trust God. He's got this. They know that. They know that eventually the pain will subside. At least they know it in their head. It might not feel like it. They know it. How does that help? God's got this. Yeah, that's true. But how does that help? When we say those things, are we mourning with them or are we just trying to quiet the mourning? Because we'd rather rejoice with those who rejoice. We want to rejoice with those who rejoice, but as soon as they start mourning, it's like, no, you can't mourn. You can't be sad. Jesus let Mary and Martha be sad. He knew that in five minutes they were going to be rejoicing and clapping. But right then and there, he let them be sad because that's what they needed. They needed him to mourn with them. ourselves more. When something bad happens in our lives, are we saying, okay, i got to suck it up because God's got this? Or are we willing to pour our hearts out to Jesus and be like, Lord, if you had just been here, if you had just answered like me when I called you, are we letting ourselves more She was the only one 
And you know what? Eventually, God can bring healing. I mean, as you can see, I'm so amazing. But I also found a reason to rejoice. Because you know that little ginger boy running around here? Four months after that miscarriage, I got pregnant with him. He wouldn't be here today if I hadn't suffered that loss. But that doesn't make that loss any easier. But eventually rejoicing does come. But I had to be able to mourn. I had to have the freedom to mourn. In the midst of sorrow, the grieving don't need to be told that they'll be okay. In some far off distant time, with, you know, some. It's off in the distance. They don't know the date that they're going to be okay. They don't need to be told they're going to be okay. They simply need to be reminded that Jesus is there with them in the present. In the current pain, in the current sorrow, and is mourning with them. So what would Jesus do? Jesus would mourn with those who mourn. And when the time of rejoicing comes, he rejoices with those who rejoice. Sermon's going to be short and sweet. But I want to ask you, because the word of God demands a response. Am I right? God speaks, we need to respond. So I'm going to ask you, are you mourning something today? Doesn't matter how long ago it was. Are you mourning something today? And if you are, then I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. I just ask that you raise your hand. If something is hurting you today, I ask that you raise your hand. And if they don't have anything hurting you today, what I want you to do is I want you to be Jesus today. And if you see someone who is hurting, don't mourn with those who Don't tell them it's going to be okay. Just be with them. And their sorrow, and their struggle, and their grieving.